Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. I think one of the most awkward things in life is when you don't know where you stand with somebody. You don't know what they think about you. You don't know really how they're going to deal with you. How much more so with God? Today God tells us the beautiful thing of grace is that God tells us exactly what he thinks of us in Jesus and exactly where we stand with him in Jesus. This is an incredible thing. The attitude in the heart of God that he has towards sinners. Today we celebrate that grace. Order of service is found on the screen or in your worship folder. Let's begin with our opening hymn, hymn 916. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. 
We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. first lesson is from Isaiah 12. This grace we're talking about is not new to New Testament people. This was also revealed in the Old Testament, the way God treated people. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to 
continue with the anthem. Mountains of your blessing, like mountains. 
Second lesson this morning from Romans chapter 8. Look how God makes this happen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. sermon is based on these words from Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The Gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith with the creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated for hymn 576.
grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Fellow believers, I object. Oh, Jesus, I object to the way you treat people. I can't stand the way you run your ministry. How dare you dignify these lowlifes and scum of society? I can't believe the way you eat with these people and, and welcome them. Honestly, that's quite an objection, isn't it? Coming from the Pharisees and the leaders of Jesus' day. It's one thing if Jesus were shortchanging the word of God to build himself up and to give himself a better profile and ministry among the people, but he wasn't doing that. Instead, these sinners were exchanging their lives of sin. They were repenting. They were turning away from it. And they were turning to the grace of God and to have friendship with God. That's exactly the point of last Sunday's sermon, to repent in all circumstances and turn to the Lord. And that's exactly the point of Jesus' ministry when he teaches anybody to repent. This is exactly the outcome he's looking for. But the leaders of Jesus' day were dead serious. They were very upset. They thought Jesus was selling short the Lord and God and his teachings in the way he was dealing with people. And their specific beef was, Jesus, these people had their chance. And they wasted it. And they sold out God to do such despicable things here on earth, they don't deserve another chance. It's with that background that Jesus tells this story. And keep in mind, this is called a parable. By saying this parable, Jesus is saying, look, this is the way God's kingdom works. This is the, day, the way God rules in his kingdom. So he tells a story first about a younger son who looks at his dad and tells his dad, I can't wait for you to die. That's too much time to wait. Just give me my inheritance. Now who says that to a loved one? Who says, I just want you dead. I want your money. Who says, I can't stand this house, I can't stand this place anymore, I want out. This place is too limiting, this place is too stuffy and stifling. I don't want to go to church on Sunday, I don't want the rules, I don't want to have to get up early. I just want to do life my way. I don't want marriage, I don't want to be married to one person, one man or one woman. I don't want marriage at all. I don't want anybody to tell me how much I can eat or drink. I don't want anybody to tell me what I can sniff or snort or whatever. Morality, ethics, that's none of your business. I just want to do what I want where nobody can tell me what to do or when to do it. This younger son thought sin represented heaven. 
So the father does something just as striking. He agrees with the son, in a sense. He cashes out. He divides the inheritance between his two sons. He hands off all of those earthly blessings to his younger son, and his younger son piles them all up. Soon thereafter, he races off without a goodbye, without saying thank you to anybody in his family, and he chases down his concept of heaven, which really turns out to be hell. He multiplies sin upon sin exponentially in all kinds of ways, lives life the way he wants to with what he thought was truly freedom. And the day comes where it all runs out. The money runs out. The food is consumed. The friends which were plentiful when the party was raging now in tough times are nowhere to be found. The son is in dire straits. It goes to show that a life of sin is not success. It goes to show that taking the shortcut of sin in life is not worth any kind of perceived success. This son ended up worse off than the pigs. And the day came where he realized it. The older son's story is much, much different. The older son, oh, he stayed home. He listened to his father. He went out in the field and he did the work. He was obedient in every single way. He had no visible sins on his count that anybody could ever point out. Everything looked like it was right in order. He didn't mouth off. He never had to slap any pigs. But when that day came where he saw how his father graciously treated that kid who came home, that ingrate, that wasteful one, that mouthy, cocky kid, he was incensed. I object! I object to the entire premise of this party. And you need to hear his words again for yourself. He said, The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look! All these years have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I'd just like to point out that in this story Jesus tells, the older son never calls his father father. He never calls his younger brother, brother. He says very, very rudely, this son of yours. The, the older brother didn't wish his father or his younger brother dead. They already were to him. They were already dead to him. What? Arrogance. 
What incensed words of anger did he lob against his father? What a breach of love he has towards the entire family. And with such hostility and anger that it so consumed his heart. What Jesus is displaying here is just how far the older brother's heart had wandered from home to. So you have two sons. You have one who is outwardly wasteful. That's what prodigal means, wasteful. And you have one who is inwardly hateful. You have one whose sins are visible for the whole world to see, and you have the other one whose sins are so hidden nobody can really see them at all, but they're there. And neither one deserves a second chance. Neither one deserves another chance from the Father. If anything, shouldn't the Father kick them both out? Wouldn't he be justified in doing so? If anything, shouldn't the Father say, wait a minute, boys, I'm the one who should be objecting. I should be objecting to the both of you, to your arrogance, to your selfishness, to your sin and the way you've treated me. Aren't you supposed to be my boys? Aren't you supposed to look like me? Haven't I raised you and trained you in the home to know what's right and to know what's wrong and to know me? Shouldn't we too? Aren't we supposed to look like our Heavenly Father? Weren't we raised in His house? And look back at our life and wouldn't we be able to find instances where we represent either one of these boys, maybe even days where we represent them both? Oh, there are the days where we've been wasteful and there are the days where we've been arrogantly spiteful. There are times where we probably wished God dead so that we could go live however we want, do whatever we want, and have the freedom we think is so free when it's really not. And there are the days where God just was dead to us because we thought we were better. We thought we didn't need him. We thought we were better than the other people in the pews. What are they doing here after all? They don't belong here. Jeremiah 17 really says it well and succinctly when he says, The heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, who can understand it? I'll tell you who. Our Father does. Our Heavenly Father understands the human heart and the human condition. And what does He do? He runs out to both of His boys in their need. And the Father who is always in the right, who has never done anything wrong, He humbles Himself in each scenario to the son who has been so wrong and has done such wrongful things in life, such despicable things, and to the one who is repentant, you know what he does? He lavishes grace. 
I want to define that for you. Grace does not mean you do a little bit and God does the rest. Grace does not mean you start something and God finishes it. Grace does not mean, okay, God, I'll meet you in the middle. Grace means God does it all at his own expense and he grants it and gives it freely to the offender who deserved nothing. That's the grace of God. To the repentant, he lavishes for free grace. To the repentant prostitute, grace. To the repentant Pharisee or pastor, grace. To the repentant person anywhere in between those extremes that we see on earth when really there's still the same types of sinners, just sinners. God lavishes grace. After all, isn't it his to give? It's his ring, it's his robe, they're his sandals, it's his bear hug embrace. It's his lips that he uses to kiss the sinner who's been so wrong. This is his to give. And you know the way that looks in the church? It looks like forgiveness. He lavishes grace on the sinner. He pours it out and calls it forgiveness to the one who doesn't deserve it. And he does it all at his own expense. But to the brother, to the one who stays outside, to the one who wants to throw the pity party, to the one who thinks he or she is better and is so upset at what's going on inside, the father still doesn't give up. But he runs to that person too in grace and he says, wait a minute, I am not going to change who I am. I am not going to stop this party on the inside. We had to celebrate. Your brother is back. For goodness sake, this party's going to go on. I am not going to cancel this. But I'm still not going to give up on you. The door to the party is still open. Right there. In the Son God sent. In Jesus Christ went to that cross for every sinner, for every kind of sin, so that the Father can extend this gracious invitation to you. There is a way out of the pig trough and slapping the pigs. There is a way out of sinful, arrogant pride that thinks you're better. There is a way out of every single sin. There's not one child of God, there's not one son or daughter that deserves that second chance or deserves another chance. But grace says, God wants to give it. And by grace, he invites you to receive it. This is the incredible way God treats people. This is the incredible way God runs his house. This is the amazing, gracious way God's church works. Celebrate that grace. And as you do, please come to stay.
Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with prayer. Heavenly Father, fill St. Paul's with your sons and daughters. Let this be a place where people recognize how far from home we've wandered. But now, that this is a place where the celebration is. This is where you lavish grace. This is where forgiveness flows to every type of sinner for every kind of sin. Lead us to remain and live gratefully, thankfully, and worshipfully yours. Furthermore, watch over Greg Johnson. Doctor has recently found a mass and while testing lately has produced some positive results for him, there's more to come and likely an impending surgery. Massage his fears with your powerful care and strengthen his resolve with your love. We also add this morning our principal, Chad Marone, as he has been asked to serve as a principal in another grade school in Wisconsin. Give him your wisdom and understanding to evaluate ministry, and please bless his wife, Anne, and family through this as well. Lord, for all the unknowns, the blessings and challenges in all of our lives, come to our aid and help your people. It's in your name we pray as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who brought the gift of salvation to all people by his death on the tree of the cross, so that the devil who overcame us by a tree would in turn by a tree be overcome. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join in their glorious song. Took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.